the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show starts with a gentleman that I hope is elected to the U.S. Senate this November. He is J.D. Vance running against Tim Ryan for the seat occupied by Rob Portman. Of course, we'll talk about abortion and other things, and it's always great to have J.D. on the show. Ryan is welcome, but I doubt he'll ever come on. So thank you for your time today, J.D. So let's start with the Friday morning ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court denying the constitutional right to an abortion, a federally mandated right to an abortion. A lot of different ways to look at this, but you've had a weekend to survey it and the protests and all those other things. Uh, Maybe a thought or two that stands out to you from the way that Democrats and abortion activists are reacting. Yeah, well, obviously, I think it's the right decision. It it seems like way too many Republicans are on the defensive about this when what the Democrats are doing in response to this decision is really showing the worst side of their most radical base. So Mm -hmm. you have people bringing their, their kids to protest saying, these children were a mistake. This is why I should have a right to an abortion. Uh, you have you know, corporations uh, who will not pay a $4,000 baby bonus to mom, uh, who will have a kid but will offer $4,000 to ship mom across state lines in order to have an abortion. Like These people are really revealing how anti-parent, anti-family, and anti-child our society has become. And I, I think Republicans ought to lean in on this and actually say, look, these people are showing us who they are. This is why we should be more protective of the rights of the born, more, more protective of the rights of families. And, and that's, that's how I'm going to conduct myself in this campaign. But, yeah, it, 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 it's a good thing. Uh, obviously, sad about the protests, angry about the fact that many of them have become violent, that they've threatened the Supreme Court justices. But most of all, disappointed that I think way too many elected Republicans are acting defensive about this when I think this, this is an opportunity. J.D. Vance, our guest. You can follow J.D.'s campaign for the U.S. Senate to succeed Rob Portman, and that can't happen soon enough in light of Portman siding with the gun legislation coming out of Congress late last week. J.D. Vance one on Twitter at J.D. Vance one. His website is jdvance.com. I love your get on offense rather than be on defense. I don't think there's anything for Republicans to be ashamed about here. And I think, you know, in light of the fact that we are having this uh, – much ballyhooed January 6th hearing, I thought Democrats were the party that celebrated democracy. And this ruling by the Supreme Court gives the voters a say in this issue. I would think that the party that so prizes democracy would love the fact that now the voters can actually have a say in each individual state in what the abortion laws will be. You would think so. What Roe versus Wade did was force basically abortion on demand, even up to 40 weeks of entire country. That's been modified a little bit over time. But what it did is it took the debate away from elected representatives. Look, I'm pro-life. I can accept that people are going to be on the other side of this issue. But we should have the debate. We should have the argument. We should vote. And we should have laws that reflect the will of the people, 
not the will of these nine unelected judges in Washington, D.C. And that, that's what this decision really does, is it gives us an opportunity to have the debate. I'm not afraid of that debate. Obviously, I'm going to have my views on it. I want us to move more and more in the direction of life in this country. But it, it, it is striking how much the Democrats have revealed that they don't want to have a debate over this issue. They like the fact that it was decided by somebody that didn't force them to be accountable for it. Yeah, J.D. Vance, our guest, J.D. running for the U.S. Senate seat opposite Tim Ryan on the Democratic side. It's the seat that's been held by Rob Portman. You know, really, if liberals would stop throwing their tantrum and would look at it, uh, the Supreme Court and its makeup doesn't change very often. These are lifetime appointments. The politics of an individual state are certainly much more fluid. So it could be viewed, and I did see one liberal commentator uh, portray it as such, that this actually gives those who are pro-abortion a better chance to move a state legislature to their position. Of course, they love the fact that for the past 50 years, the Supreme Court has been with them. I find it interesting, and as a Yale Law graduate, you might as well, the conversation about precedent. They never talk about the 58-year overturn of precedent by Brown versus Board of Education that outlawed racial segregation. Sure. So I don't think they want to be in the business of advocating that anything that's been in law for 50 years remains in law forever. Yeah, and of course, you know, Dred Scott, one of the famous uh, pro-slavery decisions by the Supreme Court. I don't think anybody wants that to remain law. Uh, so I, I, I do think that we look at these decisions very often and we say, look, these things just don't make any sense anymore. They haven't held up very well. They haven't solved the problem they were meant to solve. They don't comport with the Constitution. Obviously, that's the most important thing uh, that, that very few people talk about. So, yeah, this, this is ultimately – this is a good thing. And I, I do think the Democrats, the mistake that they're going to make here is they're going to try to make the election all about abortion. When, one, a lot of people disagree with them on abortion. It goes back to my point about not being defensive. And, two, no amount of distraction is going to take away from the fact that if you're trying to raise a family in the Joe Biden economy, your situation is a disaster. It's, it's harder to fill up your tank. It's harder to put food on the table. Everything is more expensive. And, and these people, I, they, they, they assume that the average voter is going to vote because they don't like the Roe versus Wade decision, when in reality, a lot of people are going to vote their pocketbook and the fact they can't afford to live a good life in their own country. J.D. Vance is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at J.D. Vance 1. His website is jdvance.com. I think they're going to, and they are clearly fundraising off this ruling by the Supreme Court, but they are going to try to make it a get-out-the-vote campaign. And Tim Ryan is going to try to attack you on the exceptions, you know, the rape, the incest. Uh, Tell me how you plan to combat that attack. I just think we have to not take the bait, right? I mean, look, I I am pro-life, but we can't let them set the terms of the debate. And the terms of the debate are not these statistically unusual events that do happen and are incredibly tragic. But the the, the, really the meat of this is do we want to protect the rights of unborn babies? Do we want to ensure uh, that parents are sent the message that we respect life and we respect families in this country? So, you know, for every time they talk about these very unusual exceptions, I'm going to say, well, you defend abortion up to 40 weeks, which is preposterous, which is immoral, and which 95 percent of the state of Ohio disagrees with. So I, I think that's how we have to have the debate. We can't accept their terms. We can't be on the defensive on this stuff. 
You uh, angered what I would say are all the right people over the weekend with your tweet about abortion from your account at J.D. Vance One. Your tweet was, if your worldview tells you that it's bad for women to become mothers, but liberating for them to work 90 hours a week in a cubicle at the New York Times or Goldman Sachs, you've been had. I think it's a good sign if AOC comes after you on Twitter. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good sign. Um, and look, I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously um, married. Uh, my my wife has three little kids. She also is a working mother. Uh, I I understand that this is not easy, especially when you've got kids that are that are our age. Uh, but at the end of the day, our culture has sent a message to young people, women and men, that having a family is less important than where you went to school and what degree you have and what 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 job you have. And I think that entire worldview is a mistake. I think people want to, you know, most people want to have families. They should be encouraged to have families. We should find ways to make it easier. And, and again, what this abortion, the reaction to this abortion decision shows is, is that a lot of Democrats, they're not just pro-choice, right? I mean, remember back in the 90s, it was, you know, what you always heard was safe, legal, and rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people are now talking about abortion as a sacrament. They're talking about motherhood as not just something you should choose to do, which, of course, all of us agree with, but it's something that's actively bad for young women. And you realize that the messaging here, these people have jumped the shark. I don't know if they actually believe this stuff or they just think they're activists want to hear it, but I am pro-family. I am pro-children. I am pro-moms and dads, and that is the message that we have to take forward into, into November, but, but way beyond that. Agreed. It is interesting now that they uh, seem to have identified what a woman is since this ruling came down. J.D. Vance is our guest, and he's running against Tim Ryan for Senate in the state of Ohio. Uh, I would think the coolest thing, J.D., about running for a position of great consequence like the Senate is the one-on-one interactions with people. And I'm sure when you're out, you interact with people, and somebody somewhere, probably a lot of somebody's somewhere, have touched you with their story. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing uh, what has moved you when you've been out campaigning, talking to Ohio voters that you want to represent in the Senate. You know, one woman in particular I remember very well just because her family story is so similar to my family story. You know, connections to southeast Kentucky, moved to Ohio, and in, in, in sort of the steel boom that brought my family to Ohio. And, and you know, she had just lost a daughter to a fentanyl overdose and was raising her two grandkids. And um, you know, really worried, um, grieving over the loss of her daughter, all of a sudden has to take two kids to school every single day, and gas is getting more and more expensive. Uh, you know, this summer she's getting a bit of relief. But but I, I remember thinking to myself, this woman has been slammed on two sides by Joe Biden's decision. First, he's allowed her community to get flooded with fentanyl, which killed her daughter. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, now she's taking care of these two grandbabies, and she doesn't have the money to do it. And, and I, I realize, like, you know, it's very easy, Bruce, to get cynical about politics. But, you know, I, I imagine most of your listeners are conservatives. And when we, when we say we care about the things that we care about, we care about it for that, that woman so that she can raise her grandchildren in prosperity, so that she can send her, her grandkids to decent schools. And so, you know, God willing, uh, the next person doesn't have to bury a daughter to a fentanyl overdose if we actually close the border and fix that problem. That's why we do this stuff. That's why we put ourselves through political campaigns. That's why we, we care about those issues. Uh, it's, don't, don't get cynical because those people need fighters, and we're their, we're their champions. Yeah, All right, right with you on that. Thank you for your time today. Good luck on the campaign, and uh, love to have you back again when your schedule permits.
Somebody's going to get fired on the editorial pages of the Columbus Dispatch. The uh, gatekeeper that keeps conservative thought away from you seeing it, reading it, processing it, obviously was out to lunch when this letter made it past the firewall. It is from someone named, well, I don't think there's any reason to give the name because if I give the name, then you might look her up and you might harass her online. So why would I do that? I'm not going to. But here's the letter. Everyone is talking about a woman's right to choose, and it is very true that she has that right. I just want to back it up a bit and ask, when did she receive that right? Was she 10 years old? Was she five? Did she get the right to choose when she was born? Or when her mother mother was eight months pregnant with her or possibly seven? Just when did she gain that right? Left alone, a pre-born person would grow into a living and breathing human being with an ability and right to make its own decisions. Because that pre-born child hasn't taken a breath on its own yet, is it less than human? Less than deserving of the right to choose? Surely not. Please consider this. And one final remark. Raise your hand if you're glad your mother didn't choose to end your life when you were in her womb. Now, that's very well said. Now, the point she makes about the child not taking its own first breath yet is actually a point made by some abortion advocates who I've observed online who refer to a baby in the womb as a parasite because they say that anything that is living off you, drawing nutrition from you, drawing sustenance and life from you, is a parasite, like a leech or a tapeworm. A baby is a leech or a tapeworm. These are the lengths to which people will go to justify their satanic evil desire for abortion on demand. As I said on Friday, and as I will always say, because it is unquestionably true, you can listen to Nancy Pelosi make arguments about a woman's right to choose. You can listen to AOC talk about how thousands of women will die now because they will be denied access to reproductive health care. No one on the left ever includes the child in the argument. Oh, they'll address at what what cost the mother bears the toll of being denied access to an abortion. They can address that all day long. They can repurpose it, repackage it, position it in a way that can seem almost convincing until you recognize that they have not dealt with the child in any way, shape, or form. The child is totally left out of the conversation. So, why do they do that? Because they don't have an argument to either hide the ball from you or, heaven forbid, win on matters of logic and truth that the child would be appropriately terminated before it is born. They have no argument for that, and the reason they have no argument for that is because they're is no argument for that. 
Nevertheless, Ohio gubernatorial candidate Nan Whaley will be making that argument. She and other Democrats are hoping, and I guess when you are a Democrat, you don't have anything else to hang your hope on. They are hoping that abortion will be a galvanizing force in the election coming up, not just in the race we just talked about with J.D. Vance, his Senate race with Tim Ryan, but in the gubernatorial race with Mike DeWine and Nan Whaley. Whaley is 100% four square behind abortion on demand. Here she was Friday making that case. Folks, this race has never been more important. Abortion is on the ballot this November 8th. And this isn't hypothetical. If Mike DeWine is reelected this fall, abortion will be outlawed in Ohio with no exceptions for rape, incest, or the health of the the mom. So I wonder how relevant this issue is really to Ohio voters. We already have. If I were a Democrat and I were running her campaign, I would say, all right, so we're going to prioritize this issue. We're going to choose abortion as our issue. How relevant is this issue to Ohio voters? Well, what do we know about Ohio voters? Well, I think a pretty good way to know about Ohio voters is look at the makeup of the General Assembly. How many Republicans are there? How many Democrats are there? If we have a Democratic majority, well, then we can pretty much gain from that that a lot of people prioritize the things that Democrats prioritize because if they didn't, there wouldn't be a preponderance of Democrats in the General Assembly. But the fact is, we do not have a majority of Democrats in the Ohio General Assembly, either in the Senate or in the House. In fact, we have such a small number of Democrats in the House and in the Senate that the Republicans have what is referred to as a supermajority. A supermajority is a majority that is so robust that even in instances where a politically, theoretically, politically aligned governor differs with the General Assembly, the General Assembly, the Republican side of it anyway, has the power, the numbers, the muscle to override the governor's veto. That is exactly what they did on a matter of COVID. With DeWine governing like a Democrat, the General Assembly rose up and said, no, you're not going to do this. We're not going to cede our freedom, our liberty, our health choices to your panicked reactions. So for Nan Whaley to think that, The state of Ohio, and she's got to win the state, okay? She's got to win the state. She can't just win Dayton. She can't just win Cincinnati. Can't just win Cleveland. She's got to win the state. A state Donald Trump carried by eight points. Donald Trump promised to appoint pro-life judges. That would seem to me to be a popular position in the state of Ohio. I know it's a popular position in the rural areas where I talk to people. In Bell Fountain, in Urbana, in West Liberty, in Coldwater, in Marion, uh, in in Maria Stein, rather, in in Piqua, in Troy, in Sydney, in Coshocton, in Chillicothe, in the small towns of Ohio, in Johnstown. The pro-life position is the dominant position. If it were not the dominant position, we would not have a General Assembly that is heavily Republican. And so... I mean, I get it. She can't run on gas prices. She can't run on... (laughs) She can't take credit for Intel. So she's playing the hand she's dealt. But it's a losing hand. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.